everybody. Before we dig into today's podcast, I hope everyone is doing well. Artists, photographers, neon makers, vendors, shop owners. If you just love neon and if one day you hope to own your own sign, whoever you are, I hope you're all okay during these trying times. Number two is our merch. If you ever wanted to wear something with the intent to feature neon front and center, it's online. Hit merch on the main nav on the site and so on. And last, text us, 917-565-9616. Love to hear from the community, general thoughts, musings, and or whoever we should have on the show. Whatever it is, hit us up, and here is your podcast. Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, neon, helium, xenon, krypton. Transform and roll out. All right, Max at Mondo Neon. I'm with Stephanie Lischitz, neon artist. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, yeah. So we're just chopping it up before the show. A lot of times I get really excited to kind of learn a little bit more about my guests. And one of the things we touched on was just the ability to kind of make work in New York. It's, it's an interesting place. Obviously, if you haven't been there for people listening, there's so much going on. But for Stephanie, you've got you know, personal work, you've got kind of the sort of business side of neon going on. There's a lot going on with just in your ecosystem. Maybe just tell people like for even the listeners that kind of want to get into neon or know what's going on. Like, were you like, where did that path come in? Because there's so much happening in that city and there's so much good stuff going on. I mean, was it like a personal place that it kind of all kicked off? Was there other times where you were like, oh, I really want to do this neon thing or just surprised by it? That's a great question. Um, I think it's a combination of my upbringing. I'm, I'm originally from Brooklyn. So um, I guess I'm really used to this fast paced hustler way of life. Um, you know, growing up here, um, I didn't know any, I didn't know things could be any different. So um, just working all the time and following your dreams were kind of things that I was raised with and pursuing passions was something my family's always been very supportive, uh, supportive of. So when I decided to study art formally, um, I was originally going to college pre-med. Um, my family was very supportive and I pursued that with great zeal. Um, neon wasn't something I got into until I was in graduate school pursuing my MFA um, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So it was a surprise to me as well as a surprise to anybody um, that neon became my thing, um, that it is now kind of my thing that I do. Um, I wasn't very good at it for a very long time. Um, as some of your listeners who do neon might know, it takes a long time to, to really hone in on that skill, but um, I just kept going for it. And after, after grad school, I moved back home to New York and started renting time at uh, the public studios here, Brooklyn Glass, Urban Glass here in Brooklyn. And um, that's when I really just kept practicing, 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 and eventually got hired by a neon shop, um, Precision Neon here in Brooklyn, um, after the owner saw me renting studio time and making signs for myself. What, um, what too, like dealing with the pressures of like, I think with parents too, like the big topic of art is always like, oh, what are you doing to do with that? You know what I mean? The idea is, I mean, even like pre-med, like it's awesome that your folks were so understanding of that and like, you know, appreciative of like not only the sacrifices that you're gonna make in school I mean a lot of people consider it kind of like a I guess you say a vacation but like it's it's at some point you kind of have to follow your own calling and I think a lot of times when you check things out I mean I think that's a perfect time to do it when you're kind of young and, and in school and kind of spending 
kind of those hours discovering what it is that you like and it's not safe either right like you can just go off and do things and it doesn't work out but um i like the idea that you were kind of able to kind of carve out your own time and something that you like to do and then you kind of finish it in a way um you know i guess it isn't necessarily what, what an easy road to take but at the same time it's like yeah what are your interests and then just dig deep into that right yeah, exactly. And um, my parents are very practical people. They're both accountants. So I think um, from their perspective, it's all right to pursue your dream if you've got a plan, if you've got you know a good head on your shoulders, if you realize that you're going to need to still pay rent, make a living, pay your bills, um, it can happen. And that's always been a conversation I've had with my parents that helps, I think, encourage their support. Um, for example, when I wanted to start Pumpkin Studios, um, that's the neon fabrication business that I have. I really wanted to separate my art practice and custom fabrication for people. So when I first approached my parents with that idea as my accountants and parents, um, I think what made them really support me was the fact that I had already gone through an entire Excel spreadsheet with all expected expenses for the year or one-time expenses or my monthly or weekly budgets. And just being organized like that and having a game plan helps make a dream become a reality because, you know, working in the arts isn't what people think it is of, you know, sitting in a private studio all day and just making things, you really have to figure out how to make income and how to sell your work and how to still have a bit of a social life and, you know, be a person. Yeah. Um, I'm a super, I mean, I am super pumped about that because I think a lot of people get confused about just like, I love like, like the two accountants kind of working things through. And <laughs> I mean, like, it's super rewarding to have the ability to kind of lean on that. And, and as an artist, it's kind of one of those confusing areas where it's like, okay, we taught you how to make all this stuff, go out there and do what you do. And uh, I mean, we've talked a lot on the show. It's like, you've got to be practical. Like at some point, you know, making neon is really great. Right. But if you can't support the lifestyle that you're looking for, then what exactly is it doing? You know, I mean, there's, there's definitely a hobbyist mentality to some of it. But the second you start, you know, uh, entertaining money and offers and things like that, you kind of have to tell yourself like, oh, you just got to do it too. And, and it kind of, you know, helping people, having people help you understand, um, you know, there really is no sort of uh, shortcomings to this. It's sort of like you have a pedigree, you have an education, but there's a lot of sacrifice, like you said, and kind of on what, what terms are you willing to deal with that on? And um, I just like that. I love the idea of having, uh, you know, an idea. And then sort of religiously just willing it through because a lot of times people just do things that they don't necessarily agree with but you know you wrote it down and you went after it and i i, I love that i mean the, so the studio is 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 in brooklyn i take it that you or you're at least your shop yeah yeah in brooklyn uh currently at the brooklyn navy yards that's awesome i love that area if you go down there I've actually been down there i mean this is like a decade ago now but um you know at the time it was sort of like these you know, you can almost see the old buildings in the background, right? And they have those studios set up where you can actually like obviously rent them. Um, but if you're to walk around that area, it's so historical. Like I didn't know this, but there's like pre, you know, pre-war ships built there. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, there's just this huge history. And, and, you know, when you walk around that area, it's such a, you know, a unique um, part of New York history too. And it's, it's neat that they kind of repurposed a lot of that, um, you know, have you gotten, uh, when you go to that area, is it, is it kind of, does that hit you at all? Like seeing those, um, I guess it harkens back maybe to the late 1800s, I'm guessing, I think it was. 
Oh, 100%. Um, I am really proud of being from Brooklyn and I have a huge passion for New York history. So this is perfect for me. Um, I absolutely love spending time in that area, you know, just walking down Vanderbilt street and going through some of the oldest buildings in the area. Um, and I also love that the Navy Yards has a new purpose. Um, my studio happens to be inside a kitchen countertop manufacturing building there. So um, I also love that I'm still surrounded by uh, manufacturing and fabrication and just laborers and people who love making things. Um, it's kind of a great environment to just constantly think in and work in and be creative, but still in an industrial sort of way. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was just thinking, I like the the facts here, like the efforts of that time period, like the Brooklyn Navy Yard, it covered 356 acres, which is pretty wild to think about. And the efforts of 75,000 workers during World War II, it had the nickname, the Can-Do Shipyard. So a lot of it's been deactivated and deinstalled, but you can still see the remnants. I mean, there are portions of the buildings, you know, anybody that knows the show knows I'm a big fan of um, Urban Explorers. Uh, and, and just the idea of going into any of that stuff is wild. I mean, listen, you got to be careful with asbestos and all that, but there's something about, you know, like these designated landmarks. And, and even like you look at Brooklyn, like a city that's been run commercially industrial for so many years, there are these kind of really, you know, call them hip, but it's just uh, settlements, you know, they, they become known for something, but then they get repurposed for something else. And uh, just the Brooklyn's ability to adapt um, really kind of, like you said, I think having the energy in the background would, I would be wildly inspired as well. I think it's uh, such a unique area of, of New York. And so, yeah, so you're, you're got the, the studio, you have the shop, you're still, I noticed you're still doing some coursework, which is super exciting. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, that kind of references back to what we were talking about before, just going into the arts with a game plan. Um, one of my major passions is teaching. And um, I wanted to have, I wouldn't want to call it a backup plan, but I guess I didn't want to throw all my eggs in one basket with opening up a neon shop. Um, so I have been actively teaching workshops and classes for the past couple of years. And um, it's something I really, really love to do. Um, past few years, I've been teaching out of Urban Glass, which is pretty close to the Navy Yards. Um, that's in the Fort Greene neighborhood of Brooklyn. And it's just really wonderful. Um, you know, sometimes there are college classes. Uh, oh, what's, the, what's the course, by the way, as well? Like you're doing a course that's like people can register for, like literally take if you're- yeah, in so the public workshops um, are open to anybody. And, you know, on the plus side of the pandemic, uh, the ones I'm mostly doing now are virtual, so people can sign up from anywhere. The last one I did was, um, and the one that will be happening again, actually, is an introduction to Adobe Illustrator for neon patterns. And uh, we had people from all over the country, all over the world sign up, and that was wonderful. Was um, awesome. Yeah, it was great seeing familiar faces and new faces or just Instagram known faces. Um, but <laughs> You know, how, is, how is the digital world? I mean, especially, I mean, for, we just got off talking about this. Like you, I used to have to explain people what, you know, like online conference was, you got to click this, you gotta, but I feel like now we're learning so quickly and adapting so fast. I think people don't realize it, but we'll look back at this time and probably realize, oh, wow, all this stuff happened from kind of the pandemic. Like we were forced to do all these things and now it's just become commonplace. I mean, how neat is it now to do, and people kind of demonize technology just because I think largely it's not understood and a lot of times with neon it's it's sort of like yeah there's that computer thing but I'm doing all this by hand over here and that's fine I think it's important to know 
uh, kind of the ins and outs of, of how you get things done, even when they used to be done a certain way, pre, you know, pre-computer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, yeah, I mean, using those digital tools will only get you to where you need to be even quicker, right? It's like... Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm a huge fan of using technology. Um, you know, it's just a modern tool that I want to add to my toolbox. Um, and the pandemic has had its advantages. Um, I've always wanted to spend more time in my in-person classes, focusing on how to make neon patterns. And now I actually get to, uh, which is so wonderful. You know, I really like focusing on those basics when I teach a workshop. And um, now we really get to delve in. And it's not only um, in addition to in-person courses, but this is something that you can really spend time and master on your own. So I think- What's been like, like, what's been the biggest surprise? Like, is there like a moment where you're in the class and you're like, oh man, like I, that day just a lightning bolt came down or whatever. And you just, you were surprised by something somebody said or like somebody registered or whoever you thought was like coming to the event and you're like, oh wow, I'm so surprised. You know, was there any of those moments that you can kind of hit on? Um, I've definitely felt that way so many times about in-person and digital classes. I'm amazed by um, just other artists that I respect and admire that sign up for classes. Uh, I used to find it, well, I still sometimes find it really intimidating, but um, I'm really honored by their presence, especially when people travel internationally. Um, We had Harriet Schwarzenegg, she's from Australia, um, who's a neon plasma artist and also a member of the collective She Bends, which I'm a part of. And she was in New York and took a workshop with me. And I was just shocked that she would want to spend the time that she was traveling around the world and spend some of that time with me. Um, it was just so wonderful. That's really cool. And, and also too, I think like a lot of those times are, it's humbling to be in the presence of somebody who's been doing neon for like 30, 40 years. You know, I've been interviewing folks, I think over, over the course of years now and it's always surprising to me that when I have somebody on who's been you know, dedicated probably most of half their life to something like this, that, you know, they, they feel just as interested as they did the day one, you know, or they've got stories that like I never heard of, you know, or something like that. I think it's so interesting that, you know, um, and how humble that is, you know, like at the same time, it's humbling that like you said, you kind of uh, have to recognize that like, we're, we're kind of all learning <laughs> all the time. <laughs> And there's like this idea like, oh, I'm the neon guy now because I've done it for so long, but I can guarantee you that you, you know, if you introduce somebody else to someone who's done it for a while, they're going to learn like 16 things they never knew. And they're like, oh, you know, I never knew they made this part or I never, because neon is so cryptic, right? There's like so many different variations of how people have done it over the years that there's actually different techniques, like how I hand, hold a hand torch, how you use a hose, like how you, you know, uh, you know, tip off the end of your tubulation. Like what exactly do you, you know, how do you, you know, uh, engage with all these different, you know, elements of making the neon itself. It's so surprising to me that people just assume it's like, oh yeah, I know how to do it. It's like, no, it just, it just keeps going, you know, it doesn't end. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that's the most exciting thing about it, that there's something new to challenge me every single time I'm working and that's what keeps me involved. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I've learned too, is that there's never really, um, there's always a good, a good ending to, to what you know, but then there's always like the next person that you meet that's like, just blows the whole thing up. And then you're like, okay, I guess I got (laughs) to start over again. So, yeah, I mean, so now you've got this, uh, you know, you've got the studio, you've got, uh, super pumped about the classes. Um, you know, we were talking about this too. I think a lot of times working like local businesses in New York, how have you have you seen the shift happen with signage? Has it been a gradual moment in time where things are kind of coming back, or 
you know, because New York City is, is fundamentally known for neon. I think it hasn't necessarily been the Mecca, but it was at one point. But um, our business is looking for signs to kind of get back out there and open up again. I know that there have been some major restrictions lifted a little bit here and there. Yeah, um, that's a great point about the restrictions. I think I've noticed a lot of a lot of businesses seem to want neon for two reasons. The first is that it's very in right now. It's very hip and it does offer this incredible aesthetic that um, nothing else can really provide. And then the other reason is it is just more cost-effective and practical in a lot of ways compared to other kinds of interior lighting. Um, and that could be any sort of interior lighting or signage, including LED lights. Um, so I find a lot of businesses I work with just really want that glow, really want that edge, want their customers to come in and feel something nostalgic from a time possibly even before they were born. Um, but they want that feel. And they're also happy to invest in something that's going to last for a really long time and look amazing. Something that they don't have to constantly worry about for upkeep, specifically with indoor signage. Um, personally, I have noticed that the majority of of people I work with do want indoor signage to create an atmosphere um, inside, which does help with the whole difficulty about restrictions um, with outdoor signage. So um, that's just something that's a little easier to work with on my end. Yeah, um, and we talked about it too. I mean, one of the funner moments I had we, was just discovering like, you know, uh, at the Barcade, uh, which was in Brooklyn. He had, he had actually commented about this before, which was funny because I talked to some gentlemen there and they said, oh yeah, that's Stephanie's work. So this small world that we assume is just sort of bits and pieces of smaller neon artists. I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, people would walk by and be like, oh, I didn't know that was that person's work. And that's the longevity of neon, I think. It's ability to kind of in all of this turmoil and kind of, you know, market variation and impacting from like LEDs to predicting what's going to happen next is like, we're just sort of, realizing what the capabilities I think of neon really are you know we're kind of shuddering in this idea of okay like yeah it was this thing outside it's a sign but then you know you've seen like you said is a huge sort of second generation of what people what neon means to them and it's kind of like there's great opportunities with um, new openings of businesses that are now coming back or businesses that now have to kind of readjust and realign with new things that they're actually you know um you know, speaking to whether it's just like um, pickup or local pickup or reopening and things like that. So there's huge opportunities, I think, for sign makers to not only recognize the boom of the pandemic, I call it, but people that now have um, the ability to kind of spend money for either fixing up their business or, like I said, just the significance of snapping back. You know, and I think like the, the loss of business is there. But I think now we have the kind of leisure and hospitality business and restaurant business. Those are sectors of, that have largely supported neon since day one. Um, obviously, a lot of them have scrambled to stay alive in a city like New York. But the high amount of traffic that's involved um, really presents a lot of really great um, sort of retail operations and pop-up shops to chain stores. And I think a lot of them have um, you know, been kind of represented a particular toughness, like if for business, especially with um, office workers now not around and tourists kind of not wanting to come back. But I think, you know, what it always exists is like neon really has always been this beacon of hope, you know, especially for businesses that have been able to pivot and anticipate that next demand. Um, you know, we don't always talk about it, but I think it does complete the cycle, you know, especially when people are walking by just nonchalantly. Um, it still works very well, you know, and especially with those places that um, need a little support, you know, that don't necessarily know what to do. Um, but maybe looking for something new, you know, I think neon fills that void quite well. Um, 
Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, with that said, I, anything that's going on coming up that you want to just kind of throw out to our audience? You know, a lot of people listening do a lot of different things with neon or some don't. I mean, they just really love what it is. Um, they want to know more as far as that goes, like projects that you're super excited about coming up. Um, I'm working on a new series of work uh, for my art practice uh, based on my diaries from the pandemic. So I'll be hopefully posting more of that as the process continues on my Instagram page. And um, otherwise, I'm really excited to see private lessons and hopefully more in-person workshops pick up at Urban Glass. So yeah, how can uh, people sign up for that, by the way, when anyone listening wants to get involved? Great question. So um, at urbanglass.org slash classes, um, you can see a list of all the classes, virtual workshops, as well as um, hybrid classes, eventually in-person lessons, um, but you can get updated on all of that and sign up right there and always email if you have any questions. That's awesome. And also the Studio 2 Pumpkin Studios as well. Um, you've got work going on. If somebody wants to get your work and kind of approach you with new uh, ideas that they have, they can come out and, you know, visit the website or you have like a, a social as well. Um, actually, like you mentioned, the neon world is so small. I've always had business through word of mouth. I never ended up making a website. Um, so everything is on my Instagram page. I have contact links on there. Feel free to email or call, get in touch through there. And I'm happy to work with you. Cool. Yeah, we'll put links in the show notes for sure if anybody wants to know more. Um, cool. We'll definitely check out Stephanie's work, Pumpkin Studios, Brooklyn. Uh, Stephanie, always a big fan. Really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, really thanks for, for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. It was great chatting with you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up and as always, thanks for listening.